I'm Pastor JP. Welcome. We are so glad you are checking us out online. We hope the word you're about to hear is an encouraging point in your life today. So we're praying for you. We love you. Stay tuned. Well, last week we started this series on fighting FOMO. I had people joke about how they had to go ask about FOMO. Even though I said in the service it means fear of missing out. So someone wasn't listening. <laughs> but it's, it's an acronym, fear of missing out. Of course, in the advent of social media and the quick access of, of being able to, to pile on, and not just pile on, but also to, to look and see snapshots of people's lives and, and to make quick comparisons that we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. And so is to be this constant drive to fight, fight off comparison. And you know the old saying that comparison is the thief of joy. And then it's always like we're missing out on something. So this has been about fighting FOMO. And last week we talked about don't eat the fruit. And you'll just have to go listen to that podcast if you missed it. Better yet, watch the video because listening to it might not do justice. There is a blender involved. It was a whole thing. <laughs> you might want to watch that one. Now, I was thinking about this message today, and, and then I was, for some reason, was thinking about music, and, well, my chain of thought led me in this certain direction, and I'll take you there, but... Now, how many, and this will probably apply more towards people my age and older, how many missed the days when popular music had like music still in it? You know? There was like musicality to it. It still had like some soul, some, you know, instruments that people were really playing, uh, that there was... That, that you could hear, um, you could hear a, a rhyme, a rhythm. You, could, you would hear the melody, the riff. That if, that if you just heard a few notes of the melody, everybody knew the song. You knew what the song was. And see, I grew up, my dad listened um, to music like that. That in my early years, and I was raised in the 80s, which had terrible music. So we listened. Well, I know it's opinion. But so we listened to the music of my dad's youth. So he was a teenager in the 70s. So we listened a lot of the music that he listened to, which was like 70s R&B and funk and soul. Not so much of the disco stuff. Mm -mm. But, you know, some of that other stuff, you know, the R&B and the funk and the soul really was, was really hot then. A lot of number ones in the 70s in that genre. Now, we might have been a bunch of rednecks, but I even remember catching my papa, my grandpa, watching Soul Train a time or two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, papa. 
Papa, what you watching? He had to get up and walk over there because we didn't have no remotes back then. You know, he was, <laughs> it was like, you caught red-handed, man. You can't flip the switch. You got to get up and walk across the room. But the 70s, I mean, the 70s was awesome because 70s gave us music that even if I, if I played just a line of it today, you would know what it is. That even young people, young people would know what some of this is just by playing some music. And this came out of the 70s. So when you hear something like... playing well sing it okay okay that's enough of that but you know what I'm saying that was in the 70s all you had to do was just play a little line of that everybody knows what it was oh how about this anybody know this one What is it? Yeah, you know it. All you had to hear was a few. It's going to be a... Yeah. It's going to be a bright, bright... Some shiny day. Yeah, we got to work on the choir thing. But yeah, it was. <laughs> you know, all you had to hear. Uh, now. Y'all know this one? This one might be a little harder because I crossed a little over into disco. I'm sorry. There you go. Yeah, yeah. But we're not going to sing that one, are we? We done. Oh, that all came out of the 70s. And young people know this. I mean, younger people. Maybe I should put it like that. Know some of that music. You play just a snippet of it. But see, if you play just a snippet of music today, play me a little snippet of music today, it all sounds kind of like this. This could be any song on the radio right now. We don't know which one this is. It could be any of them. They all sound the same. You know what I'm saying? Now, what was funny about my dad, though, because we lived out in the country, and <laughs> but you, you, what was funny is that if you were in the truck, though, if you were in the truck, you had to listen to country. And if you're, you're, or if you were around anybody and you were in the truck, you had to listen to country. And I don't know what it was, which was weird. It was very confusing as a young child to go from like Soul Train to, to Randy Travis. <laughs> it was very, okay, what are you doing here, man? 
Because every time we get in the truck, it, you know, it was, you've been too gone for too long. It's too late to come back now. You know that one? It's been so long since you walked out my door. Now you're just an old song. Nobody sings anymore. I've got a new love. You know it. She's a true love. But darling, how could you have known? Oh, you've been too gone for too long. Now it's too late to come back home. Now... Now, this is what I love about country. <laughs> she goes, I ain't never heard that one. <laughs> this is what I love about country. Is, was he singing about his woman or his dog? Because it could apply either way. You know what I'm saying? Old yellow could have gone off again. Except this time he done gone off and got another dog. Because little, little, little yellow done gone off too long. So sometimes when you, you, sometimes you need context. Now, country music has gotten a little better because now they started titling the songs that they give you some context. Like literally this morning, someone played me a song where the title of the song, what was the title of the song? Title of the song was, I just want to check you for ticks. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Just want to check you for ticks. What is happening? <laughs> it could apply to a woman or your dog. You gotta love country. <laughs> Context is everything. Now you now sometimes though, because in the 70s you had a lot of songs though. Yeah, a lot of songs that do you I don't know about you, but I kind of like those songs that every now and then they give you some context at the beginning, you know, a speaking part at the beginning. So you know somebody comes on there and it gives you a little bit of speaking. At the start of the song. So you know what this song is about. So no confusion. This is not about an animal or something. That this is about, you know, this is the context. So then now you have some context. You know what I'm saying? And so this is, this is, that was all just because this song is what made me think about this message. And so, so how many would know this song if I played you? How many know this song? You know this song? And then the voice would come on. Okay, you're heartbroken. And you sit around moping, crying and crying. You say you even think about dying. Well, before you do anything rash, what's the last two words? Dig this. Y'all remember that? Then he, everybody plays the fool. Now you know it. Sometimes. Oh, y'all dropped out on me. 
Everybody plays the Okay, all right. That's good. That's good. I did all of that just to get to this song. That was the main ingredient version. Aaron Neville made it a little bit more popular a little later on. Everybody plays the fool. The voiceover comes on, gives you a little context. Love struck. When you, you're playing the fool because you got this filter on. Everybody else can see, oh, you just, oh, you got the rose-colored glasses on. You're just seeing everything. You don't even know. You're getting treated bad, man. Oh, you don't even know she's bad for you, but you just, you, you're love-struck. You're just playing the fool. You're just going along with it because she's just too much or he's just, oh, he's just the best thing ever. And so you got that filter on, you know. Everybody plays the fool sometimes. And, I, you know, we've all gotten a little twisted at times in our thinking. At times, we can all process life through filters that's, that sometimes lead us in, into a better reflection of what's happening, a more healthy take on what's going on around us. And sometimes we can be looking at life through filters that's unhealthy and giving us an, un, an imbalance of what's really going on in this moment. Well, you think it's love. Well, you, you think it's working. You, you think this is okay, but it's not. But the truth is, is that we process life, all of life, through all kinds of filters. Those rose-colored glasses, we won't love so bad when we're young. Or maybe it's just we, the grass looks greener on the other side. You know, so we, we just want better stuff and a better life, and that grass over there just looks better, and we just we want that stuff so bad, even if that means I got to break a few fence posts to get over there. I'll break a few rules. I won't love so bad that I'll, I'll cross a few lines, that I'll do things maybe that I wouldn't do or I shouldn't do, and I know better, but I feel fear I may miss out on something. So I'll break, a, I'll break a, a few lines that I thought were in concrete, but maybe it was just in sand. I, I thought I knew who I was and my values, and if I was going to make it up the ladder, I was going to do it with honesty and integrity until I find myself not. I thought it would be worth it. But I thought when I finally got to the other side, that love would be worth it. And I realized I was just plain a fool. I thought that grass would taste good or taste better when I got over. And I realized that the grass on that side of the fence, it might be greener, but it still tastes like grass. Just like the grass over here. But because we, are, we don't know how to fight the FOMO, we have convinced ourselves that we are missing out on something and that we'll play the fool anyway 
because we're fear we're going to miss something we want really bad. Something that's really not a bad thing to want. We're just willing to go a bad way to get it. It's because you love and want to be loved so bad, even though that relationship isn't it. You're like, I might not ever have it again. You want that advancement, that prosperity, that... Don't take advantage. Now I might not get another chance, even if I have to be dishonest. I might miss my chance. I'll just ask for forgiveness later. Just ask for forgiveness later. Anybody ever said that? I'm not talking about out loud. I'm talking about in your heart. I'm talking about between you and God. So we play the fool just to see. Maybe, maybe this time things will be different. And Jesus takes a moment in Luke 16 to remind us not to play the fool. So I want to give you some thoughts. Really try to share Jesus' wisdom for how to, how to fight that level, that kind of FOMO, so that the so did so that we can rip off blinders when they, when they try to put, this, put themselves on our eyes. We don't want to put them on our, on our eyes. How do we rip them off? And so in Luke chapter 16, verse 19, it says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. And the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony of this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And he answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophet. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray now that as... We just look into this simple instruction 
that Jesus gives, that we might apply its wisdom into our own lives to push back every fear that might raise itself up against the Lordship of Jesus Christ, every filter that might try to strain itself against the truth and power of Jesus' word at work in us. So come, Holy Spirit, and speak now, we pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So he grabbed and he grabbed and he grabbed, filling his arms and his belly and his life with every pleasure, every one he could possibly get his hands on, out of the fear of missing out. Any FOMOs he had could be quenched, much like us. He quenched with, with either money or, or power or prestige or through relationships, appropriate or inappropriate. That, that all fears of not being happy, of, of being lonely or insignificant or, or failures, fears of pain or silence through self-sufficiency. That he grabs that at everything but Christ. And in doing so, the, the, the fool, the ultimate fool, fools himself. Fills his life with everything that's, good, that's just going to leave him empty, leave her empty, feeding on everything except what? His or her soul really needs to truly live. And everybody, every one of us has done this at some point in time. Everybody has played the fool one time or another. Lazarus in life on all accounts, he is the person who is on the outside looking in. He is diseased. Therefore, he carries a label as someone who is unclean, untouchable. He is forced now to live on the fringe of society. And he begs at the rich man's gate. He's there because rich people visit rich people. And so that's where he is, hoping maybe make some type of connection and get some type of relief. He is forced to live out in the open elements. And his uncleanliness is probably only matched by the smell of earth and rot on his body. And his only comfort, that the scripture is so far as to tell us his only comfort is when the dogs would come along to lick his wounds. Now, he is cut off and he is unwanted, he is uncared for, he is cast out. And the rich man in life, on all accounts, he is on the inside looking out. He is well, and he is well off. He is well respected. He's included. He's accepted. He is in the community. He has every comfort at his disposal. He has shelters and friends, and he has lavish confines. He is beauty everywhere around him. He is in. He is wanted. He is cared for. He is accepted. And then the great equalizer comes for them both in death. And in death, things are judged differently. 
The game changes for both of them. In life, there was this great chasm between the two. And so, two in death. Again, there would be a great chasm between the two. Only it's not the kind of chasm that you would assume. Lazarus now finds himself in comfort and in peace and stability and security. He is accepted. He is now in. And the rich man finds himself now on the outside, residing in pain and separation and in torment. In life, Lazarus was on the outs, and the rich man was on the ends. And in death, the rich man is on the outs, and Lazarus is on the end. It was seen that the rich man played the fool. As the song goes, oh, heaven on earth is all you see. You're out of touch with reality. Jesus wasn't picking on rich people. If you think that's what this story is about, you have completely missed the point. And if you think that this story only applies to filthy rich people, again, you have missed the point. This story was never about what was in their pockets. It was about what was in their hearts. And it's easy to miss this fact, but Jesus is first and foremost making it clear that you will be held accountable for how you treat others in this life that we are called to live in the present by the standard of the future. Now, this is a humbling reality that we are called to live in this present by the standard of the future. And how we treat others is a strong indicator of how loyal we are to God. Not necessarily how loyal we are to other people, how loyal we are to God. For believers, we all know how this thing is going to end. And it is by that end. It is by that standard. It is by the one then holding the standard in which we will be evaluated. You know, the one in the end holding the ruler gets to be the one making the measurements. And Jesus is making it very clear. He's, he's kicking out some wisdom here. Don't play the fool. You need to live in the present by the measurement, by the standard of the future. That is how we're going to be evaluated, not by our feelings, not by the cultural norms of our times, and most certainly not by our FOMOs, not by our fears, but by what we trust as true and by what we trusted as true to come. Jesus is Lord. Okay. The earth is his. Yep. Then faithfully follow his word. That's a picture then of the future. And we like to look at that, don't we? We like to think and to peer into the future and think about that great day, don't we? 
when Jesus splits the sky wide open, just tears it back like an old dirty dish rag and tosses it aside and, and just ushers in this new, new heaven and earth, just this new millennium, this new way. And puts an end to all of this. We like to think about that moment. But the truth is, is that we're supposed to live in the now. We're supposed to be trying to paint that future picture that is to come now with our lives in the present. To bring a little bit of that into the here and now. That we cannot live in the present by the standards of the present. Don't play the fool. Don't put on that filter and, and believe everything that that filter will eventually produce in your life. The rich man called out Lazarus by name. Luke is the only writer out of the Gospels who tell us this story. This teaching, Luke is the only one that gives us a name. The rich man, therefore, cannot claim ignorance. Well, I didn't know there was a guy at the gate. He calls him out by name. And Lazarus' name is now etched in eternity in, in this story. Guess whose name is not known and not etched into eternity? The wealthy man. And here's the irony. The irony is this. The rich man is asking Lazarus to do for him in death what he could have done for Lazarus in life. For shame. The gall. But he's too gone. Too long. He wouldn't touch, he wouldn't look at, wouldn't go near a Lazarus. And now he's willing to drink but a drop of water off of his diseased finger. It's amazing what happens when the filter comes off, isn't it? Why do we wait till it's too late? to take the filters off. But by this point, the condition for eternity is set. The gulf between the two, the chasm between the two in life remains in death, but it didn't have to be that way, and it doesn't have to be that way for you. He didn't have to play the fool. But by the time he gets to this point, Separationism is, is permanent. And so when the rich guy recognizes that his begging is futile, he goes, but what about my family? What about my family? Go tell, go tell them. Why? Because he knows they're just as doomed as he is. They're just as doomed as he is. Somebody's got to warn them. And Abraham says, warn them. They've got the same amount of warning you've had. They've got the prophets. They've got Moses. They've had God's word just like you've had it. They've heard the warnings. 
You knew the way. You played the fool anyway. See, God makes it clear our commitment to him is seeing best in our care for others. You, you did your own thing anyway. See, the promise of Abraham, because he was a son of Abraham. He's talking to Abraham. He said the promise of Abraham wasn't that the people of God would be blessed and blessed alone. It was that the whole earth would be blessed by the people of God. And Jesus is making it clear in this story what God measures in our life. And the rich man begs, oh, but if you resurrect Lazarus, you think Jesus might have had some other motives for telling this story, knowing what was to come. The rich man says, if you resurrect Lazarus, that's an event so powerful, so supernatural that they'll listen to a resurrected Lazarus. That if someone raises from the dead, rises from the dead, they'll listen to that guy's message. And Abraham scoffs as if maybe he knew. As if the father already said, let me tell you a little something that's going to happen. They still won't repent, Abraham says. If they won't believe Moses or the prophets, they won't believe a resurrected Lazarus. And how true, how true are these words if you think? We think, you would think, we'd pay close attention to the words anyone has to say who has risen from the grave. But how often do we push aside the words of our resurrected Jesus. Lazarus may not risen that day, but Jesus one day would. And his message and his words, the very words we're talking about this morning, carved into the hearts and minds of men and women and written down that we too might know truth filter our lives and this world and everything therein in it through that truth from a, from a man God, from a God man who has risen from the dead. And yet we can still sometimes play the fool. And the rich man, from the perspective of the future now, from the perspective of the future, suddenly cares about the others in the present. But it's too late. It's too little. When everybody can play the fool from time to time, but a lifetime of foolishness will only bring sorrow. And what is so wonderful about Jesus and the cross in the empty grave and the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all believers is this simple truth, is that what God calls for in us is made possible in him. That God calls his people up and out onto the front lines to, to go to the places of pain in the world to be people of prayer and worship and provision to be people of prayer and protection, to be people of prayer and providence, to be people of prayer and action. 
to be both and. That's why we have this serve summit around the corner. Get your name on that thing and be people of prayer and action. It's one week. You got 365 days. I'm not saying you don't serve in any other way. I'm saying if you haven't, though, here's your chance to get a couple of days in this year. Do what you can with what you have. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because now you've heard it. You've heard it from a preacher on this day, from God's word. You will be measured. This is how we get stacked up on that great day. I tell you, he's not going to care about your comfort level. Not when he's staring at the great chasm and those we lost because we were unmoved to action. Listen, I think it's great you're here on a Sunday. Now go live for Jesus on a Monday. Take it somewhere and do something with him. I'm not angry. I love you. Everybody wants a prophet, but what you need is a pastor. What you need is somebody to tell you. Grow up. You want to be a disciple of Christ? Discipline yourself. Disciple, discipline. There's a connection. Sooner or later, God has placed the things he's placed in you, in your life. He's placed those things in the mixture of who you are and the blessings of what you have around you. He's put that stuff in you. And, and what he now calls out of you, he'll make possible all in himself. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll not call for you to step out and to do something he's not willing to empower you and equip you for. I mean, this is a pretty good deal. I mean, that's a good God. Only a fool looks at the cross and shouts, what can it only do for me? Only a fool looks at the cross and looks at Jesus and goes, what can Jesus do in me this week? What can he give me that I need? What can he fix in me that I've broken? And don't misunderstand me. He will do just that. He is in the business of bailing us out of our mistakes. I know his word makes that clear and I have personal experience. Thank you, Jesus, for bailing us out of our mistakes. But listen, friend. We are rescued to become rescuers. He doesn't want just your bad days. He wants your good ones too. Some of you have been in recovery far too long. What are you recovering from now? Running nose? Get out there and help somebody. Love somebody. It might actually be the final step in your healing. 
is like to share it. It's to share what God has done in your life. To share how he's healed you, restored you, and, and is walking with you. And while you may not be completely whole, maybe part of the process of becoming whole is helping somebody else get there too. It's just being there, helping. And he doesn't want just your bad days. He wants your, he wants your good ones too. The rich man had it good. He had it good. And there's nothing wrong with having it good, y'all. Nothing wrong. He just lived in his present by the standard of the present. When he should have been living in his present by the standard of the future. The one where Jesus rules the day. The one where the king says, this is how this place should be run. Well, we get to do that now in the here and now. If Jesus were here today and running your calendar, what would it look like? If Jesus was here today running your checkbook, what would it look like? If Jesus was here today running the things that you did and seen and places that you go, what would it look like? Yeah, everybody's excited about when Jesus comes back, but if Jesus was here today running the show, what would it look like? You, you got to live in the present by the standard of the future. Don't fool yourself. He's watching. And he's taking account. I'm not telling you that to scare you. I'm telling you that because there's purpose in living this way. Because see, when you live this way, he uses you to help reach and love and rescue other people. So don't, don't play the, the fool. And how do we know what's really in our hearts? Well, the truth of what's in our hearts is found in what we heed. The truth of what's in our hearts is found in what we heed. So maybe today the Holy Spirit is challenging some of your filters. Maybe he wants to strip away some of the things that have been, been blinding you a little bit, distorting some things. Maybe your perspective has been just a, a, a little off on some situations or circumstances or, or family or relationships or the condition of your own heart. Maybe, maybe we need to have a gut check and ask the Lord Jesus, are we, are we where we should be? Am I where I should be with my walk with you, Jesus? Am I running my life as if you were already here running the show? There's too many people on the inside of the church looking out will one day cry, Lord, Lord, and Jesus will say, depart from me. I don't know you. And you'll find yourself on the outside looking in. That's not me. That's scripture. I said by the time we get to that point, you're too gone for too long. But today, right now, you can rip the filter off. Today, this hour, you can make it right with God.
And you, today, you can, you can make a decision to stop playing the fool and to get your life right. I know your life looks right. You want a prophet? Now I'll be one. Everybody on the outside thinks your life is right. But God sees. Don't play the fool. Get your life right with God. If there's sin, repent. If there's mistakes, ask for forgiveness. If you're, if you're wearing filters and going after things, they're not even bad things, but you're going after them the wrong way at the wrong time. You're not in on what the Spirit is doing, and, but you're begging God to try to get in on what you're doing, and you're wondering why nothing is clicking and nothing is working. Get the filters off and just see Jesus for a few minutes face to face. I guarantee you, you'll be better off for it. Because when you do, when you meet Jesus like that, he comes in and he brings his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. It stings in the moment, but you never walk away in pain. You walk away with a burden lifted, with your sins forgiven, and with a newfound freedom. Don't get caught on the wrong side of the chasm. People talk about being on the wrong side of history Friend, I'm just trying to make sure I don't find myself on the wrong side of the chasm. With every head bowed, if you're here this morning and you, you don't know, you don't know for sure if you're on the right side of that chasm today. You don't know how you would measure up. God were to come back right now and split that sky open. Or heaven forbid you'd walk out this building and your life ends. You don't know in what condition your heart is in if you were to meet Jesus face to face. But in this moment, this hour, right now, you sense the convicting power of the Holy Spirit on your life. And you know you need to make things right with God. No F, no, no ands, no ifs, no conditions or clauses. It's just there's some things. It's stinging right now in my gut, and I, I need to make things right with God. Have him be honest with me this morning and say, you, you, that's me. With no one looking around, would you just lift your hands so I know who I'm praying for? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Who else? I'm looking around. I see those hands. Thank you. I need my prayer workers to get ready to pray. They'll do a little something different. And if you raise your hand, just those who raised your hands, would you look at me for a minute?
I just want you to see me if you raised your hand. You raised your hand, just look at me. I love you. I want to pray with you. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And they're, they're, going, they're going to play softly, maybe sing something. And when everybody stands, I, I just want to connect with you and pray with you. And I'm going to ask you to step out and just meet me down here. Because I, I, I just want to make sure there's just something about the act of stepping out. You don't have to leave here today under that same weight. I want to make sure that you leave here free and out from under the weight of, of whatever that is that you're, you're sensing in your, in your spirit. And I want to pray with you. And so in just a few moments, I'm going to pray for you right now. I want you to have the courage that when everyone stands to come. And I want to pray with you. And then, and then our prayer workers are going to be standing by and they'll help me pray with you. And there'll also be prayer workers at the tables as other people have needs and other prayer needs. And we're just going to take a moment and have an altar moment and pray. But if, if you, you who are looking at me, I want you to come and join me when we all stand. I believe God's going to do something powerful and awesome in your heart and life today. So, Lord, I pray now for all those who lifted their hands and all those who maybe they didn't, but they're hungry now. And they're, and they're wanting to get in on this moment. I pray now that you'd give them the courage to step out and to surrender and to lay down their filters and their pain and their sin and their mistakes and whatever it is they think is put its barrier between you and them. I, we want to tear it all down today so that they leave nothing, nothing left between you and them and that they can walk out of here free. I pray now, God, that you would build up their faith to do so in Jesus' name. Amen. For joining us again. We hope today's word was a blessing to you, maybe even challenged and inspired you. We'd love to connect with you, serve you in any way. Go to mynorthside.church, click the link for us to connect. We are praying for you. We believe that God has great things in store for you. We'll see you next time.